Welcome to the Financial Advisors Workshop, where Brian Castle, founder of Four Star Wealth in Chicago, interviews the most successful financial advisors in America to hear exactly how they grew their businesses to 100 million and beyond. Before we dive into the interview, please go to financialadvisorsworkshop.com and download your copy of our free guide on how to find ultra high net worth clients. Let's start the show. Here's Brian. Welcome back, everybody, to the Financial Advisors Workshop. It's a four-star media event. It's a video and podcast series. So we attempt to meet the most interesting and some of the most successful financial advisor advisors and advisor firms in the country. And today we have Mark Schaffer. And Mark uh, is uh, one of the co-owners of a firm in Kansas City, Kansas City, uh, um, Missouri, right? You're in the Missouri side. We're actually the Kansas side, but we have people living in the Missouri side. Uh, my office is about two miles from state line, but both states support the Kansas City Chiefs. It's a good time to be a Chiefs fan. Good time to be a Chiefs fan. It sure is. Well, Mark, um, you have a really interesting background and, you know, it'd be really uh, great if you could start out and telling, telling everybody, you know, now you're co-owner, but how did you get there? You joined, I believe, the firm at 23. Tell us about that and Give us a little background on your on your back. Yeah, so I actually huh, fell into financial planning because um, I got a almost a full ride scholarship to college at Kansas State University here in Manhattan, Kansas, about two hours west of Kansas City. And uh, my parents had saved a little bit of money, and they said you should meet with our advisor. This is your money now. You're going to be a steward of it. And I got real interested in that as a potential career. Um, fortunately, I went to K State for engineering, but they also had a program at the time that was called Family Studies and Human Services. Fast forward uh, 16, 17 years later, that degree is now called Personal Financial Planning. I've actually served on their board in the past, and they're one of the top programs in the country. So I was able to land in college and know what I wanted to do at an early age and um, kind of was fortunate to know that I also um, didn't want to go to a bigger firm. I liked the idea of a smaller, independent, um, fee only was important. This firm was not fee only at that time, but we are now, and we can talk about that later. Um, but just I, at that time, I wasn't going to be successful in sales. And, you know, 20 years ago, financial planners were successful if they were good at sales. That's all evolved since then, but I wanted to go somewhere there was potential for ownership. And so found a, a, an advisor that had started a business in the seventies and, um, that conversation was had from the beginning of my relationship. Um, but that's how I kind of found financial planning was my parents asked me to be a steward of some money they had saved and um, kind of met their advisor who became my advisor that introduced me to it even further. So was it brand new to you or is this something you had studied in college as well? So yeah, it's college. It was, um, I sat down with an Edward Jones representative in college who was my parents' advisor at the time. And he kind of talked me through what the, the small pile of money my parents had saved for my college would do for me and what it could grow to if I didn't need it for college to continue to earn a scholarship that I had to get from maintaining a GPA. Uh, but yeah, the, the degree at K-State is in the College of Health and Human Sciences. Like a lot of programs around the country, it's not in the College of Business. It's in that specific college because it's focused on people, goals, family relationships. Um, and as you know, as an advisor, it's it's the commodity part of our business is the investment management. Um, the, the, the part that I enjoy helping people with is the navigating life, the ups and downs, the goal setting of where do you want to be, the visioning. That That's all 
part of living an ideal life and the money is the tool to get there. So K-State's program really focuses around courses with that framework. And of course, minor in business with business law and investments and estate planning, all the stuff that goes along with it. But it's a little bit different tilt than what others are used to that think of it as a business degree. Interesting. So you uh, you found this firm. Now your, um, your co-owner is uh, more senior to you. Obviously, he was owner when you joined, right? So yeah, he had started the firm in the 70s and yeah. um, he had grown it to being at that time, six, seven people. I don't remember how many when I started and I actually met him as a student at Financial Planning Association chapter meeting. And um, it was a smaller firm, the size that I was interested in where I could get someone to mentor me. And um, he kind of looked at me and said, why would I hire you? You don't have any experience. And so I kind of laughed at that and kind of was frustrated because if everybody says that, no one ever gives me a job, but did not start there after college. I maintained a relationship with him after I left K-State. I went and worked in St. Louis for a year, called him a year later and said, I don't know what you call experience, but I passed my, at that time, um, Series 765, Life, Health and Accident, and had just taken the CFP. Hadn't even found out if I passed it yet. Um, But he said, the timing's right now. So um, it wasn't experience. It was the fact that I was coming in and replacing someone, but he was true to what he had said from the beginning in terms of pouring in and giving mentoring to me and offering ownership, not so much offering it from the start, but talking about it. Um, and then stay true to that by offering ownership in 2009 to 2010 is when I bought in to be an initial owner. Um, How years was that after you found it, joined the firm? I joined the firm in 2006. So just a few years after that. Oh, Years, good. Okay, good. Yeah. So, so then you started out. He mentored you. How did you build uh, your part of the practice from there? Uh, interesting question. I don't think that any part of our practice is considered ours. Um, we've kind of built a firm that everybody's supporting a client base. So there's no silos in terms of how we're doing it. Um, since then, we've attracted other owners in addition to myself, and have transitioned the primary founder as not an owner anymore. He still works for the business, but kind of what has happened over the years to attract other talent and owners is finding someone that is talented in different strengths. An example might be mine is being in the community and finding and uncovering opportunities to bring on new business. I enjoy the business development side. Did not enjoy and did not do well at that at first, but got confident enough to do it and realize I loved it. But the other three partners in the firm are focusing on totally different aspects of things that are important to the business that I don't Well, I could do, but I wouldn't be good at it and I wouldn't enjoy the time doing it. And so that's been really nice. Um, So I'm I'm building kind of some revenue and so are the others in the firm. It's not just me. I just tend to do more of it. But building the revenue doesn't, it certainly helps me, but it helps the firm and everybody gets bonus based on the firm being successful. Um, Mm -hmm. And we do quarterly bonus programs based on the success and revenue and profit. But um, that just happens to be my strength. Um, which is a good thing. I am not the CEO. I don't focus on operations. We've got another partner that does a wonderful job of that. Someone that oversees, I don't want to say they love compliance, but I'm glad that I don't have to focus on being the compliance officer for the firm. And then although I am a part of an investment team, I don't spend a lot of my time doing the analytical work associated with the investments we make with our clients. So all of us are kind of seated in different spots that work really well. And how many people total at the firm? Uh, We have 10 people total. Okay, so you have a couple of analysts that do some of that work. Yep, six of the 10 sit on our investment team. Three of those are more analytical and doing the work to prepare for our weekly investment meetings that we um, kind of gather all at once, review where we're at in the market, what's going on in the economy and what's happening to our individual holdings that our clients have, and then deciding if 
and when changes need to be made. So we all have to agree on those. I'm a voting person, but I don't prep for hours leading into that weekly meeting. Nice. Okay. Well, very interesting. Well, um, so so then what was your role if you were not uh, building a separate book and you were all working together? What did your role begin with? And then where did it go from there? Yeah, that's a great question. I was hired as a financial planning associate, which meant a support to the founder. And I really wanted that because that allowed me to have the mentoring at a young age of 23 to a person that had built a, a successful firm, but also had built it to the part where unless he was delegating stuff down, the firm was kind of reaching capacity, right? Everybody, we're going through that now that we're a bigger firm. How do we continue to grow? And it's people and relationships and kind of delegating responsibilities to others. But I supported relationships he had had for 30 plus years. So now some of our clients, 40 plus years that the founder had worked with for 30 years and transitioned the relationship to me and the team so that if and when he goes away, it's it's a part of the plan. Um, so I supported him. I did more of the investment work from the beginning. Um, and so I was more of an analyst research and did um, organizing the reports that we have for our clients, prepping for meetings, kind of helped create a process for how we were going to service clients in terms of refining and making a better experience. And then um, that's kind of been financial planner, financial planning associate. Then I went to a financial senior financial planner, became a CFP, and then got offered ownership in 2009 and 10, and then have become a partner and an owner, um, kind of overseeing the CFO responsibility is where I'm at now. When we hire, that's generally everybody has the opportunity to grow into more responsibility. We have an org chart to show that, but it's it's dependent on what you like and how far you want to go and how much responsibility you want to take. I just knew that I wanted to be an owner from the beginning. Right. Very interesting. So um, so now it's evolved where you have a bigger team and how, how have your roles evolved and your, your uh, co-owner, senior in age, he's changed his role as well. So how does it look like now today? Yep. Um, the founder has moved to Florida. So we do a lot of remote meetings and we're actually building a client base where he's at down there. And although he's not an owner, he's still interested in staying engaged in the community and meeting new people. And he's been down there for six years now. Um, in addition to that, he enjoys being a part of the relationships that he's had for 30 plus years. So he still sits in on client meetings, but it's more of the team prepping. We always have a team approach. So it's myself and him or myself and another team member meeting with our clients and then kind of a, an assigned person on defining what next steps are from every client meeting and then assigning steps to the team on what needs to get done. Um, so more of a relationship manager and then a financial planner servicing each individual client. So I'm most of my time, I'd say 50% of my time is client servicing and um, client meetings. And then a lot of my time is spent on overseeing the business, the CFO work, and then also being in the community, making sure we're continuing to grow and evolve and make sure that people know that we're an option when they need help with financial planning and investment management. Okay. Now you're, you're a, you're a founder who's in Florida. You say he's not an owner anymore. Is that right? Okay. So then you have another co-owner. How did that develop? Yeah. So, um, we had decided a long time ago, and I had been president of the Financial Planning Association uh, 2009. We had David Grau from FP Transitions come speak to us. And if you don't know David Grau, look him up. He writes a great book um, that I've read, and we've kind of followed the model of succession planning to second generations. But what I had learned through hearing him speak and then having ongoing conversation is 
you can't really replace the founder with someone that's the same, especially if it's a growing firm. So we knew we wanted to get and attract other talent that were good at other things. And we continue to think of the third generation is going to be different than what these four owners have now and how we're going to spread the talent out and what we need or what we want to delegate. Um, but that's, that's, we knew we needed more people because the business was kind of um, outgrowing where we had been before. Um, and that was a process that took a lot of time because for me to become an owner after three or four years of starting, sometimes it's the wrong person. And I'm sure before me, Mike Searcy had the wrong person. And so we were just fortunate enough to attract a couple people that wanted the roles that we needed. Um, and then, then we all did a final buyout of the founder late last year so that he gave up his ownership in full and we bought more of it. So about a, I bought a piece in 2010, 2009, and bought the rest of it with the three other partners in 2022, 21. So there's four partners now, um, and they're owners in the firm. And then the original founder is no longer an owner, but he's still a, a partner in the firm, essentially. Yep, he's still an employee of the firm. Excellent, excellent. So um, great. So like, tell us about your client base. How do you guys service your client base? Yep. So Mike had founded the firm helping physicians. As a matter of fact, uh, what he did in the 70s was sell disability insurance. So at one point when I started, I don't know what the stats are, 90% of our clients were physicians. So that was a niche he had focused on and had that kind of helped with initially disability. And then as time went on in the 70s and 80s, those physicians needed investment management, retirement planning, help with estate planning, more than just disability life. And so kind of our client base evolved over time, although we still do help a large amount of physicians because a lot of physicians, kids turn into physicians and they refer each other. Um, so that is one area that we tend to focus on and helping and it's with comprehensive financial planning now. Um, part of our plan is not just to manage the money, it's to make sure that they're adequately taken care of in terms of all parts of the financial plan for the things I mentioned. Um, I will also mention that that's evolved over the years as well. As a younger person entering the firm at age 23, and when I became an owner, I was told that in order for a firm to successfully transition to future generations, it's got to be a growing firm. And so I was not ever expected to produce business, but a growing firm makes it much easier to finish the buyout and pay off a loan to pay for itself. So um, it was kind of a became a priority to create a um, culture of growth and business development within our firm. But um, that has, um, trying to think about where your initial question was, how we service people. So let me keep going there, is at 28, when I bought in to be an owner, attracting people that had a minimum of, let's call it a million dollars, was hard to do for a young person. None of my friends had that. Furthermore, I felt like I was helping the founder who were, he's 30 years my senior, along with the clients that were 30 years older than me say, thank you for helping me for 20 and 30 years before I ever had anything. And so now as a new person in the firm, I didn't have that same opportunity to help someone from nothing into something. I had to say, wait till you meet our minimums and we'll be happy to take care of you. So we asked the founder if we could change the business and he decided that it would be better if we didn't dilute the brand of what he built with Searcy Financial helping higher net worth people to creating a subsidiary company called Allos Investment Advisors which essentially in the beginning, and this is in 2010 and 11, did not have any minimums and primarily focused on investment management only. So as a 20-year-old, my friends would say, I have a rollover. I left a job. Can you help money manage? 
Yes, I can help with that. And Allos was the company that was created for that. And Allos is Latin for one and the same. So we manage the money in the same way. So now, you know, fast forward 10 plus years, we have clients that are becoming ideal clients for CRC Financial, but we've been helping them along the way with lighter services with our subsidiary company, Allos Investment Advisors. So it's kind of a, can be thought of as a feeder into that. But because of that, it, it became for me, I'm, I'm not in my 20s or 30s anymore, but at that time, it was a little bit more enjoyable to be able to help peers. Sure, I helped, loved helping all of our clients, but when you're helping a peer that's going through life things together and struggles or buying a first house or having a kid and you're right there with it, it becomes more of a, a, a relationship of trust and mutual things that you're dealing with that's different than helping someone that's senior to you, if that makes any sense. Yes, yes, it does. Um so what kinds of uh, investment programs do you engage in? Is it uh, fairly uh, standard stocks and bonds or are you involved in other things as well? Sure. Um, primarily, it's the tried and true, boring. We do manage actively portfolios. Um, and so small percentage of the portfolio is in individual stocks. I'd say less than 15% would be in individual stocks if we're looking at an aggressive portfolio. But Primarily, we use exchange-traded funds as ways to get access to certain sectors of the economy, depending on what we think will do better over time. And we do use a small portion of mutual funds. Now, 15 years ago, it was not ETFs. It was still a few stocks of things people would recognize or company names people would recognize. But mutual funds have certainly um, are less in our portfolio than they are now. ETFs have been really nice to have the efficiency that they create. Oh, I'll bet. Uh, interesting. Okay. so. Um... You mentioned Rotary. Yeah, I've been involved in Rotary. This is not my Rotary pin, but Rotary is on Wednesdays. Um, part of our culture is to be involved in the community, whether you're in, encouraged to do business development or not. Um, I'm a big believer that if you, you don't really have to sell in this industry, you just have to be available to people and like being around people. The founder had been in Rotary and I knew that I didn't want to be under his shadow. So I toured other Rotary clubs in the Kansas City area and found a club that was really good for me. Um, that was 12 years ago, so maybe longer. It was when I was in my 20s. But the nice thing about Rotary is it became a way for me to find other professionals for things that I found that I needed as time went on. An example was, all right, I'm buying into the firm. What do these contracts look like? I need a lawyer I know and can trust to review this. Rotary opened up a lot of small business professionals in different areas that I could go to and trust for things that were evolving in my personal and professional life. In addition to that, some of these people have become wonderful clients, mentors. Um, I plan to be involved in Rotary for a long time. And more than anything, I credit it for some leadership development. Um, so that's been really good for me because my club, different than my experience in some other Rotary clubs, was younger, had one big event every year where we raised a few hundred thousand dollars. I, they allowed me to chair that event after being involved for just a few years, which got out of my comfort zone in terms of fund development and sponsorship. And then also organizing a committee of people to pull off an event that 30,000 people would attend every summer. It was a jazz, jazz in the woods, jazz festival in, in, in Overland Park, Kansas. So you're also a member of the Band of Angels inaugural rock star class for art that blows. Yes. That is a charity that I met through a Rotarian. Um, and so that's that's really fun. It, uh, one of the Rotarians, and he'll, he'll like that I'll talk about this, Mike Meyer owns a music shop called Meyer Music, but he created a charity around instruments that couldn't be fixed. And so he took the instruments, asked artists to create them into art. 
And so that's the event Art That Blows, and he sells them for money, connects to high schoolers and professionals in the community, and it's an all-around fun event. I'm not creative, but um, it's it's more fun than anything. But yes, yeah, been involved in that for a few years as well. And I see a number of other charities on, on here as well. So is that a part of the vibe of the firm as well? Do you extend that to clients? Um, yeah, some of these boards I'm on are because of clients. Um, some of them have been executive directors of boards I've been on. So it's um, a way to give back to the community, make sure that you're staying in front of people, but also we encourage our team to get involved in things they're passionate about, not just because we think it's something you should do, but because it's something that touched you personally. Uh, yeah. Rotary for me was one way to get exposure to a lot of different charities because at that time I didn't know what charity, for example, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, it's important to me now because my mom's a leukemia survivor, right? But in my 20s, that had never evolved. So Rotary kind of introduced me to a lot of different options on things you could give towards uh, until you had personal experience that drove you somewhere else. I see. So. Okay. So you mentioned some uniquenesses um, about your succession program and your brands. Are there any other uniquenesses that you want to share with us about your firm? What makes your firm different? Um. Yeah, I think it's really nice that when we have a prospect reach out to us, we don't have to qualify them and we don't have to have them feel like they aren't worth it to us. We have a service model that fits for them where before we might have a, you know, hour meeting with someone and say, here's our fee schedule. You don't tell them they're not a fit. They elect out because they see that that is the minimum and they don't have it. So um, that was probably one nice thing. I don't have to care what someone has when they walk through our door. We have a, a service model that fits for them, which means that our conversion of prospects to clients became a lot higher when we created that business. And matter of fact, Allos has actually helped us create enough revenues to buy the rest of the business like we did last year. So that, that's really been a revenue generation to create enough revenue to feel comfortable about moving forward with the succession plan we had in place um, and as you can imagine, I don't know what the numbers are, but nine out of 10 people that we meet with are probably Allos clients, one out of 10 are Searcy clients, meaning that they're more higher net worth. And that okay. may be attributable to our ownership team now being younger. I'm 40 years old. Our CEO is 43. John is a partner that is 36. And Ryan is our other partner that's 29. So we're pretty young and you kind of tend to attract people based on being involved in things that are closer to your age. So that may change over time. And we've, we've actually talked about that. I've already noticed it starting to change as some of my peers and friends are finding success. They aren't trying to up-level the next house. They're saying, I have extra money. What do I do with it? Where a lot of people that are younger are trying to kind of get by until they find success in a career. Um, the other thing that I might mention is not only is the, the founder working remote, but our CEO works um, in Phoenix, our director of marketing is in Omaha. We are located and headquartered in Overland Park, Kansas, near Kansas City. We've hired someone recently um, to be our administrative assistant in Jackson, Mississippi. We have another advisor, financial planning associate in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. And we just had an intern start two weeks ago out of uh, Provo, I believe, close to Salt Lake City in Utah, because we have a relationship with Utah Valley University that has a great financial planning program. Nice. Wow. Quite diverse, quite a diverse firm. Well, good. Um, so this, this show is going to be seen by about 300 financial advisors in the near term, and then probably a thousand by year end. So you imagine yourself in an auditorium, Mark, and, and what, what would you say to that whole crew right now? Like what kind of message would you want to send about the industry and success? 
Oh, that's a good question. Uh, what I try to mentor our younger people on is um, patience is key. If you're trying to grow a business, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, and a lot of times it's focusing on the little things. It's not only growing revenue, it's saving on expenses. Since I'm in the CFO role, I kind of look at profit and loss statements and try to envision what we can do to continue to be more profitable so that we can continue to improve our services. But um, I also would suggest, you, in my opinion, you got to become bigger than yourself. Mike Searcy found that he didn't have all the talents in order to grow bigger than himself. He had to get other people. So people are your biggest resource. So every time we hire, it, it's a big deal. And we're, we're hiring. I could send you links for that. If you know anybody interested in going to an independent fee-only financial planning firm, um, I would say invest in your people, find a way to retain them. If people are the right kind of person you want to keep around for the long term, I think the industry has a tradition of being somewhat greedy, but offering ownership in specific ways that helps people participate in the success of a firm doesn't have to be stock ownership, but it'd be other ways. Um, because part of the hardest part about financial planning firms is when there's turnover. So yeah. invest in your people, take care of them, appreciate them, um, and they'll take care of your, your clients and your business. Keep keep it that way. That's great. Well, Mark, you, you've been a great guest. We really appreciate it. Sounds like you have a great business and, and a growing national business. So congratulations. Uh, and you're a young crew, so you guys are going to be around a while. So uh, no succession needed for you right now. So yeah, uh, Mike. Mike said, "Do it ten years earlier than I did." So uh, he says you might have to kiss a couple toads. But there's uh, certainly talent out there that's now very interested in ownership for younger generations. So it's kind of nice to see that, and the programs around the country for producing financial planners from um, even Kansas State University, where I went, it's been. Nice to see those people coming out well-prepared to produce in terms of great financial planning. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for visiting with us and, and all our listeners are going to be all the benefit for having heard your success, how you do it. Everyone has a unique way and uh, you have some very unique things that you're doing there. So congratulations and uh, thanks for being with us today. Yeah, thank you, Brian. Appreciate it. All right. Well, thanks everybody uh, for being with us today in the Financial Advisors Workshop. Uh, Mark, Mark is just another example of a, a great member of our industry, a colleague of ours who's doing really well in a younger firm. So you guys are now a younger firm. You're not an older firm. And uh, it's pretty exciting stuff. And, and uh, we'll leave it there, everybody. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the ideas shared here, please subscribe to the show and leave us a five-star review on iTunes and Spotify and share this episode with anyone you think will also find value here. Please send us your follow-up questions at financialadvisorsworkshop.com. And while you're there, download our guide on how to find ultra high net worth clients. And if you're a financial advisor looking for more freedom, higher margins, and better training, please set up a consultation to hear more about joining our team by going to fourstarwealth.com slash advisors. All right, thanks for listening. And until the next Financial Advisor Workshop, keep on growing, everyone.